I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even if your friends have changed circumstances, we can all benefit from diversity. Single people can benefit from people in couples. Mm. Parented people can, can benefit from people with no kids. I think what we start doing is we see that people have gone on a different track And we perceive that, oh, we can't connect anymore because we're not the same. But you don't just connect with people because you're the same. You connect with people because of either frequency or intensity. They are the two consistent factors going through life. And welcome to Figuring Out 30. This is a podcast exploring the chaos, confusion, and clarity that comes with life in our 30s. I'm Bridget Husswaite. Hope your week is off to a fabulous start. I have been recording a whole bunch of chats with people for this podcast. And I tell you what, it's quite hard to sit on them all. I feel like I'm building up a nice pile of conversations. I kind of liken it to when um, like artists go off and record a bunch of songs and they're sitting on them for a little while. I'm getting really impatient, but I'm excited to distribute and share with you as the weeks pass. And there's just, yeah, so much good shit that I'm really excited to be kind of covering on the pod at the moment and including this one that you're about to hear in this episode because it does continue on from the topic of friendship. So last week I chatted to Dr. Hannah Coral on fizzling friendships and friend splits because yeah, not all friendships are made to last a lifetime, but we can be a little awkward with navigating friend breakups. So if you haven't already checked out that previous episode, definitely make some time for it. But this week it is about forming new connections. And to share some wonderful insights on this topic is Ali Walker, who is a human connection scientist. And she's also the author of Click or Clash. It's such a great resource to kind of help you better understand connection and compatibility types. And ultimately, like knowing how all of this stuff can benefit your relationships in life, and particularly the relationships that you do build with friends. And even just getting to know other concepts like our loneliness threshold and our connection appetite, just hearing how human connection has evolved over the years. So interesting, like heaps of interesting ideas explored with Ali in this conversation. So let's get into it. Um, Let's turn our friend radar on. Sometimes we forget to do that, but hopefully this chat will inspire you and reassure you that there's always opportunities to form new connections. You can do it. Let's go. Ali, welcome to Figuring Out 30 and thank you so much for jumping on to chat about friendships in adulthood because, yeah, who knew that it would be so hard to make new friends? (laughs) Oh, well, hopefully it's not that hard, but yes, let's talk about what we can do to make it a bit easier. Yeah, well, why do you think people think it's such a scary, impossible thing to do in our adult life, in our 20s and our 30s? Like, what do you think people are so concerned about? There's, There's actually a reason to explain why we all feel like that, why we do feel like it's a challenge. So to just put everyone's mind at ease. Please. um, (laughs) For the first time in history, 
human connection now has become something that we need to be effortful and intentional about. And what I mean by that is if you look throughout the different stages of of human civilization, human connection has really been prepared for us. So we lived in villages where you would know everybody else and probably you'd just end up being friends with the people who were your around your age and of your your gender. So you just have your friends prepared for you, whether you liked them or not, you know, and it's so in a way we're better off because we get to choose, but in another way we actually need to be given the, the tools, skills and strategies to make friends because it's not actually part of our evolution. Um, We are now evolving those skills uh, because in the past it was just something that was pre-prepared and we it's the same thing with romantic relationships where a lot of marriages were either arranged for us or arranged by virtue of, of where we lived and who we knew because it wasn't actually that big of a a pool. So if you think about how we've moved from that regional and rural way of living to more urban living, that's only really been happening in the past 100 years. That isn't a lot of time in the context of human evolution. So it's a bit like what happened with exercise. We never used to have to exercise because we all worked on, on in manual ways. So we moved as we worked. Our day involved a lot of incidental movement and exercise. So no one got to the end of the day and then said, wait, I have to go for a walk around the block or I have to go and run around the block. And that would have been ridiculous, you know, up until about 30, 40 years ago. So in the same way, when offices and work moved to be sedentary and people were sitting down a lot, In the same way, we now have to make an effort to make friends and to connect with other people because you could actually live in your house or your apartment, wherever you live, you could go for weeks without seeing anyone. You could just get Uber delivered or whatever delivery service. You you could actually go for so long and survive without seeing another person. This is a huge shift in our evolution. Yeah, man, that makes so much sense because, yeah, when you think about all of the things that have happened to get to this point and with the influence of technology and social media on surface level, you'd probably be like it's easier than ever to make friends with all of these apps and to stay connected. But I guess in a sense staying connected is different to establishing new friendships and we almost feel whilst we have all of this at the disposal of our hands um it's harder than ever like and it's easier more so than ever to feel alone Mm. I kind of want to tap maybe maybe a little bit more into loneliness and being alone because there is like a bit of a difference there right than feeling lonely and actually Mm. being alone do you think we we are more alone now in this day and age I think that aloneness and loneliness are definitely not the same thing. Whenever I'm giving, I've given workshops to thousands of people on this and I ask, who loves being on their own? And inevitably, most of the room will put their hand up. We all, everyone loves the feeling of a sanctuary, feeling relaxed, feeling like you're at home. Um, sometimes you can experience that with other people. A lot of the time you experience that. I mean, I, I love nothing more than having a bath and, you know, lighting a candle or making myself a cup of tea. All of those things are beautiful and those rituals are so important. Um, I think when we're talking about loneliness, it, we need to be really clear on the definition. So the definition of loneliness is just simply the gap between what you want to be experiencing in terms of connection 
and what you are experiencing in terms of connection. So let's just say we get to a Saturday night and you'd love to be going out and you have no plans. You're going to feel lonely. But equally, if you get to Saturday night and you're exhausted and you went out Friday night and you've been out on the sat on during Saturday, you've done your exercise and you're feeling really good, you're probably going to be really looking forward to a Saturday night in. So it's not actually about the objective experience that we're having. It's not about, oh, I will feel lonely if I've got a whole day to myself or I will feel lonely if I don't have plans on the weekend or in the evenings. It's actually what are my needs in connection? Am I somebody who experiences connection more on my own or through reading a book or playing a musical instrument or going surfing or fishing or for a coastal walk on my own? Or am I someone who really experiences connection in the company of other people? Or am I someone who's somewhere in between? So depending on your needs or what I call your appetite in connection, loneliness will differ for you. So it's, you think about it as your loneliness threshold and some people's loneliness threshold kicks in really quickly. You know, they have half an hour to themselves like mine does my, my loneliness threshold. I'm one of five children. I grew up surrounded by people the whole time. And so my loneliness threshold I've noticed is a lot lower than other people's loneliness threshold. So I have friends who look at me and just think I'm hilarious. Like, oh my gosh, you know, my, my best friend said to me last week, is I had to say no to something to going for on a weekend away because I was just too busy doing something else. And she said, is this the first time in your life you've ever said no? Like, how did you do it? How, like said no to a social event because my appetite is so large. But to your original question about, so just that's the loneliness to one side. That's what loneliness is, just the gap. You asked about, are we more lonely than ever? And I think it's really important. I really want to share what's happening when we're trying to connect through our phone. So all of us are thinking, well, I have all this connection uh, through text messages, WhatsApps, social media. It's at my fingertips. Like I'm, I'm, I have never communicated more with people my age. Therefore, I must have a lot of friends. Actually, you need to see phone communication, unless it's a bespoken conversation over the phone, a phone call. Um, that's kind of like eating a whole lot of sugar or processed food and expecting to feel nourished. That texting, emailing, social media communication is not nourishing communication. It's functional and you need to see it for its function, like I'll be there in five minutes, but it's not actually nourishing us in terms of our needs for connection. And I'll share a study with you that was done that's absolutely fascinating it was done with a group of 12-year-old girls and all of those girls were given the same stressful experience and that experience was presenting to an audience that had been trained to have only neutral expressions. So there's nothing worse, right, to stand up yeah. in front of an audience that's not smiling at you, not nodding, just looking very Awkward. neutral. <laughs> After this stressful experience the girls the 12 year old girls were divided into four groups one group had no contact with anyone after the stressful experience uh, another group were able to text their mothers a third group were able to have a phone call with their mothers and the fourth and final group were able to see their mothers and have direct contact with their mothers so what they did then was they tested the girls' oxytocin levels and cortisol levels. Now, cortisol levels are your level of stress 
oxytocin levels are your level of feeling connected or your level of empathy or they call it the cuddle or the love hormone is oxytocin after they they tested their levels it was really fascinating to find out what had happened so the girls who directly saw their mothers and the girls who had spoken to their mothers on the phone had lowered stress levels so lowered cortisol and heightened oxytocin so basically the connection had gone through in a positive way it had lowered their stress and made them feel connected made them feel safe the girls who had no contact with anyone had not lowered their stress hormones and had not boosted their oxytocin and that's I mean that would be expected because they'd had no contact yeah but what's fascinating is that the girls who had texted their mothers and their mothers had replied, so it had been an actual text exchange, they also responded in the same way as the girls who'd had no contact. Wow. So basically their brains had not registered the connection, the communication of the text to lower the stress hormones and increase the oxytocin. So what that's telling us is that, Text communication does not have the same impact on us as hearing someone's voice and as seeing someone in person. Mm. And the reason, the reasoning behind that is that written communication is a relatively new form of technology. And by I say relatively new, it's 5,000 years old, but that's not long enough for human beings to have registered that as a a genuine nourishing form of connection that's going to make us feel genuinely safe. Mm, that's so interesting. I'm curious, as soon as you mentioned about the text, sir, I feel more and more people are doing voice memos to each other. Do you think that's helpful? Because <laughs> you do like mini podcasts I, well, to each other. absolutely. And, and I know when my friends do that with me, I will listen along and I almost, like I, I smile yeah. in the in the times or I laugh in the times where I meant to it's it's like we're having a a phone conversation I absolutely do prefer a voice memo to a text because it feels because again going back to the way we've evolved we have evolved enough to be able to hear someone's voice without needing to see them and if you think about it there, we, we used to not, I mean, I know I'm going really back in history a lot here, but the way we've evolved is so significant in understanding what our needs are in connection. And we would have had no lights for a long time. So we would have had to listen to people's voices in the dark and we would still register that as a really important form of connection. So just so everybody knows, I know we spend a lot of our lives texting, emailing, and and on social media, leaving comments and the like. Mm. But that does not register as genuine nourishing connection in our brains and our bodies. Wow. And it is, I think it is so important to kind of look back on evolution um, to understand connection and also important to understand the connection that you have within yourself, which is something I know you've touched on a lot in your field. Do, should we kind of dive into that a little bit? Because I think, and it's the same when we think about uh, romantic relationships, but perhaps not as much when we're talking about friendships as adults. You know, Ru- RuPaul always says, how are you going to love somebody else, you know, if you can't love yourself or whatever, but we don't... Uh, 
we don't tend to think about that when it comes to friendship. So how mm. important is it to understand the connection that you have with yourself or your connection type? I know you've, mm. you know, penned a lot on that. So shall we start there? Sure. So I spoke before a little bit about, I was talking about frequency or your appetite for connection. Mm. Now people would be familiar with that concept uh, through the words being introverted or extroverted. Um, there's also lesser known ambiverted, which is somewhere in the middle, it means that your social context dic- dictates how you're feeling about connection. But basically, you'd all be familiar with whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, or an ambivert. So are you someone who loves being around people? You feel most at home in the company of other people? If so, you're an extrovert. Are you someone who's an introvert? So basically, you feel most like yourself and most at home in your own company. Now, that's one factor when it comes to connection. The other factor is intensity. Now, this is a new concept that I've introduced uh, in human connection. Now, human uh, intensity is more about how you bond with others and when you are connecting with other people, how you like that to feel in a way that makes you most comfortable. And so to give an example, if you're uh, having a coffee with someone or having dinner with someone, would you prefer to really be focusing on the conversation and animated truth-telling and truth-sharing and and connecting in that deep and meaningful way? Or are you someone who's much happier not to be making direct eye contact, no pressure on the conversation, happier with silence and, and more pauses in the conversation? So depending on where you are with that, you're either low intensity or high intensity. And thinking of it like curtains, if you imagine a high intensity person is someone like with no curtains at all or very sheer curtains, they let a lot through, they're very transparent, they wear their heart on their sleeve, whereas someone who's more low intensity is more like a blockout curtain. So you can't see through. It takes a while to get to know them, to open up, to trust. So the reason I start with that is that we really need to set up this concept of frequency and intensity. So what's your frequency? What's your intensity? Once you understand that, you'll understand why you click with some people and why you clash with some people as friends. So the friends that we seek out tend to match us in some way, whether it's in frequency or intensity. So if you think about the people that you like the most, whose company you seek out the most and who you feel most comfortable with, it's likely that they're going to match you in either how much connection they like. So you might think, oh yeah, she's as social as I am, or we like going out as much as each other, or we have the same sort of appetite for connection, or they might match you in intensity. So we like talking about the same things, or we like talking as much as each other, or we like going kayaking together, or we like uh, going to the movies together or going to a concert together. So a lower intensity experience. So when you're seeking out friends or colleagues that you really like, you're going to be looking for a match. You're going to be looking for a mirror of your connection needs in some way. And that's why you can Mm. meet someone and instantly feel great in their company. Um, and and meet other people and instantly feel a little bit of discomfort or like it's a great effort to connect with people. Mm, yeah. Okay. I'm like I'm thinking about my friendships now, and that again makes so much sense. The intensity. Yeah. 
Yeah, because we do. It's so funny when we talk about um, introvert and extrovert. What was the middle one again? What was the name? Ambivert. Ambivert. So an ambivert is someone who is mid in mid frequency. So someone who will just kind of go with the flow of the environment. So if you're on a group holiday, the ambivert is happy to be around the people for the amount of time that you're hanging out, and then also happy to be on their own. So great range. You can also have someone who's mid intensity. So there's so I've developed a model where there's 17 connection types and in my book I go into what that what they mean and and there are reports on each of the types. But basically what you need to understand is are you high frequency, low frequency or mid frequency and are you high intensity, mid intensity or low intensity and based on what your combination is that will then explain how you bond with other people and who you get on with. But when it comes to friendships I think, first of all, the the first point is we're not used to having to make friends because, as I said before, history, it it was kind of done for us. And then also it was done for us at school. Exactly. That next to someone in a classroom or we were in the same netball team. I mean, that's I'm just thinking about my best friend. We've been best friends since we were 12. We were in the same netball team in year seven. Like that's really easy because, oh, and we also got the train home together. So life thrust us into the same. And I know a lot of people make adult friends in the same way because they work together. Um, But if you're not, and, and I'm not somebody who goes to the same office every single day where I can have those kinds of friendships as an adult. So what I've done is I've had to be really intentional about the way that I make friends. So what that means is, you have to have this mindset of it's not it's not weird to have to be always kind of looking you know you know if you're dating right if you're if you're looking for love Mm. you're kind of always just it's on your radar if you were to meet somebody and and you have a spark with that person you just have this radar on of oh I wonder if they're single oh I wonder where this could go And I guess the best way to explain it for me is that I always have my friend radar on. So because I'm an extrovert and I love people, I know that I'll probably be making new friends in my 80s, you know, like God willing, if I'm I'm still alive and healthy at that time, I will always be making new friends because I love people. So when I find someone in life who matches me in either frequency or intensity, I have this mindset of openness to that. Like, oh, this is fun. Where could this go? Mm. And so you have to think of yourself as that you're always dating. You're always looking for friends. You're always open. Your light's always on. And then I'd say don't be shy in thinking to yourself, okay, do we match in frequency? Like do we talk the same amount? Do we talk as quickly as each other? Or do we match in intensity? Do we really connect and bond during doing the same activities. Can I give you an example of a friend I've made last year? Yeah. So this is someone I'd never knew before last year. So uh, we moved to a different area at the beginning of last year and I met her through my children. So I have two young sons. Um, she also has two young sons. So we had a point of commonality there. They were playing sport together, our sons. Yeah. The first chat I had with her uh, she was really friendly and open and I thought, oh, she seems interesting or she she was really nice to speak to. And so, again, your radar's up like, oh, that was interesting. She seems fun. And then we started, I, I can't remember what happened, but we needed to talk about something to do with our children. And then she would just WhatsApp me like, oh, do you want to come to uh, spin with me? 
you know, spin class, mm-hmm. um, I'm terrified of, and I've said no every time, but, um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I could actually do cycling for that long. Um, but we started sort of hanging out and going to exercise classes together, not spin. I'll do reformer Pilates, but that's where I draw the line. Yep. And, and he wasn't shy in saying, do you want to do this with me? Do you want to do that with me? And I was so happy because I thought, oh my gosh, this is someone who's putting herself out there to invite me to something. And then I might come back and say, well, no, I don't want to do spin, but do you want to meet up for coffee? And we'll just have a quick coffee and quick chat. And there was nothing, you know, there were no, it was not a um, high stakes. Each time we hung out, it, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, It just felt easy and effortless and fun. But both of us were were able to put ourselves out there and and she absolutely was willing to invite me to things and suggest fun things to do. Mm. And I think what I notice when I look at, when I speak to people and interview people about adult friendships, there's a lot of vulnerability. I was about to say the V word because when you mentioned the friendship radar and you're so right, and especially for women in terms of the dating radar, we are like conditioned that we should always be looking for the partner, but we don't tend to have the friendship radar on. And I feel like it almost takes a different kind of vulnerability in terms of friendships, right? Well, I I think it's the same type of, like dating is so vulnerable. Yeah. But also I want to say to people, if you're feeling vulnerable around around friendships, it's appropriate. Like you are putting yourself out there. You're looking for connection. It's the same sort of thing. And I'm married, happily married. I have no intention. My my dating radar is totally off. (laughs) So maybe I've just swapped my dating radar for my friend radar, which is really a funny concept. Um, But but absolutely expect to feel vulnerable. And I'll tell you another story of a friendship that went bad like that I, I, I was open to a few years ago. And I met this again, another mom, and I thought, oh, you're so great. And and so I one day, I think we had kids the same age, this is like several years ago, and I remember saying, do you want to go for a walk um, around Centennial Park in Sydney? And and I said, and I was suggested a couple of things. And she was always like a, just a little bit, nah, oh, sorry, can't, or just not available or something and didn't didn't follow up and then didn't come back as much. You know, if, some, if, if someone invites you to something and then you can't do it genuinely, mm-hmm. you might, the next time you might initiate something yourself yep. just to sort of, you know, to make, to even the playing field. She never did that. And then I think I tried a couple more times and she was just always a little bit like, oh, sorry, I'm not, I can't do it. I can't, I'm not available. Always very nice and friendly every time I saw her, but just that wasn't a frequency match. You know, she was happy to keep the frequency of that friendship lower than I was. Right. And I felt very vulnerable because I sort of felt rejected because I was putting myself out there saying, I really like you, I want to hang out. And she wasn't as into it. And so in that situation, absolutely feel those feelings of, oh, have I been rejected? Does she not like me? Is this, what's, where does this go? And we still know each other and we're still very friendly, but I just had to go that's and some relationships just stop there. You know, they'll just have a stopping point. Mm. And I want to say to people, don't let that be your reason. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. For, for shutting off vulnerability in the future, just say to yourself, okay, there's something in our frequency or our intensity where we didn't match and I'm going to try again. I'm going to get back on the horse and find another friend. And now I have these other beautiful friends as adults who I've who I've just met in the last couple of years who I think we will be friends with for I think we'll be friends for life. Mm. Um and I'm glad that that I tried and failed with some people because it makes these friendships that I now have so much more valuable to me and yeah. precious to me. Because I know that you don't necessarily click with everyone. Yeah, and you know that the um, the I don't know if it's if I say effort is matched, but the the frequency and going back to frequency and intensity. I love looking at it from that way because I mean I sometimes coin friends as like I've got high maintenance friends and low maintenance friends. When I say high maintenance, I don't mean like they're divas and it's a nightmare, but like some do yeah. need. I mean they probably have a uh, higher. Well, I guess they'd have higher intensity and frequency. Like they just yeah, need more. Hi- you'd have your high intensity friends. So uh, from hearing you and speaking to you now, I would say you're pretty mid in both. Like <laughs> <laughs> probably mid to high frequency but I reckon you're mid intensity so you can go both ways yeah you're probably someone capable of, of having just shared positive experience seeing a movie yeah but you can also have a chat when necessary yeah I would say that and I also what I'm kind of navigating Ali which is interesting when you mentioned before about the workplace so I went from working in an office and having like a radio producer and now I work from home and it's just me and my dog pretty much you know and the occasional um, work from home day that my partner does but that's an interesting thing that I'm navigating and I'm sure a lot of other people are um, in mm. this time in our 30s when you do make job changes or maybe you do find, you know, you talked about um, other mothers before. Um, I've actually had a few people send in messages who are like, how do I make friends? Because everyone else around me are becoming parents, but I'm not. And I'm suddenly Mm. not really, not involved, but like they're just not hanging out as much because the mums probably feel like they need to go to other mums because um, their friends who don't have kids won't want to be, like I feel like mums feel like they're probably a burden. Like, you know how we just put these scenarios um, in our head that we think, oh, we, we won't ask them because it will be annoying or I, I you know, feel mm-hmm. left out. And then you just like, oh, God, I don't have anyone. But I feel like that self-talk is a pretty big thing that can affect the way oh, in which absolutely. we maintain. <laughs> I, I do think that, that so many of us uh, are, it's almost like a pinball machine, you know, where <laughs> we're, we're just balls dropped into this pinball machine and we kind of just, there's so much vulnerability. If you imagine like every part, you know, that when you hit the pin, I, I haven't played pinball machine. <laughs> it's so fast paced. <laughs> so I, this is a really going to be a limited metaphor, but um, the, the parts of the pinball that light up mm. or push us in another direction, they're just vulnerability. So I, I, I'm not saying that it will be pain-free and a comfortable journey because human connection isn't, but the, the destination, the, the friends that you will make through the effort that you make will be worth it. So what I'm saying is just keep trying, even if your friends have changed circumstances, we can all benefit from diversity. So single people can benefit from people in couples. Mm. Parented people can can benefit from from kids, people with no kids. Everyone is good for everybody else. I think what we start doing is we see that people have gone on a different track 
and we perceive that, oh, we can't connect anymore because we're not the same. But you don't just connect with people because you're the same. You connect with people because of either frequency or intensity. They are the two consistent factors going through life. Mm. So, of course, easy to connect with people when you have the same circumstances, when you go to the same school, when you work together, when you have children the same age. That's easy. But connection is deeper than that. And it really comes down to those two points. Now, if you're somebody who is an adult, and and I think that's a recipe for loneliness, just listening to people doing a lot of work from home. Mm. So if you're... and I'm not saying go into the office by any means. Like, if oh my god! From home work- but like last night, I was literally looking at like shared office spaces that I could rent for the day because I think it's like I enjoy doing it. But every day, I'm like, I really do need. I miss that feeling of getting out and being in a different environment. <laughs> very healthy for us. You know, the people don't like, we're very bad at predicting what will make us feel good as human beings. It's it's really interesting. So if you say to someone, do you want to work from home every day? They'll say, yes, absolutely. That'll be so comfortable. You know, our brains always go for comfort. Yeah. Um, but when you actually measure the boosts in our well-being and, and the, the positive brain experiences that we have, it always comes from connection. So even though you feel like it might be more comfortable to not put yourself out there, to not leave the house, to to be comfortable all the time, it actually will always benefit you to make the effort and to go out. Now, obviously, that needs to be balanced with people's connection types. And someone might be sitting here thinking, hold on, I want to live on a property where my nearest neighbor is six Ks away and and limit my connection. That's different. Mm. But if someone like you is mid mid to high frequency, you're just going to get lonely working from home every day. It's not going to be good for your well-being. Yeah. So um, also if you, if you want to make friends as an adult, I think um, rather than having it done for you, which is what you do at school, high school, uni and, and at work, um, friends as an adult is a, t- a bit of a different situation. You need to work out what you love to do and then just keep doing it and then you'll get connections from that. Now yeah. what I mean by that is if you love swimming, um, join a coastal swimming group that's near you and eventually you will get other friends who have that commonality with you. Um, if you love singing or if you love playing an instrument, like find, seek out a place in your community that will do or an art class or some kind of connection experience that involves putting yourself out there at the start and you'll get connection through that shared love of an activity. Yeah, all of the people who were sending in tips as to how they've made new friendships as an adult, they all literally said um, through pole dancing or gym group classes, all of them were yeah taking part in these kinds of activities. One person did though, they said, how do I make friends? I live in the country. So they're pretty like physically isolated um, geographically um, mm. and they don't play footy or netball. They were like, how do I make friends without – you know, because that seems to be the only way. What would they do? So I would just say for someone like that, it's about that incidental connection you'd get from, say, hanging out at a cafe. So if you've got work to do, for example, I'd take your computer down to the local, there'll be a cafe in the local street in in that town or area, and you just want to be around. So you don't have to play football or netball to make friends in a team, for example, but you might say, I don't know if they're on the coast, like life-saving or volunteering for something or just 
being around. So I'll give you an example of someone who I know who I spoke to about this. Mm. She was coming to the city once a week from the country. I can't remember why, but she had to be in the city once a week. So obviously she didn't have any connections in the city. And she said, so because I need a lot of human connections, she just went to the same place every day to get her coffee. So she knew she ended up meeting people, having a chat with people, getting on. And and she knew that she could count on that connection uh, every morning. Mm -hmm. And then she'd go to the same uh, aisle or the same checkout person at the grocery store, um, the same every single day and have a chat with them. And then just by doing that, and then I think she was doing an exercise class each day. So even if you don't play football or or netball, you still probably need to exercise. Uh, Those shared experiences and just your routines can lead to connection. Um, Remember, you're only half of this. Like you're you're counting on, if you put your 50% in, you're counting on another person putting their 50% in. Mm. So if you put yourself out there, have your radar on, intentionally put put yourself in a social situation like the gym or a cafe or the same checkout each day, you're going to end up having conversations with people. And those conversations will lead you to other conversations. And just over time, that habit, you might form a friendship. So there's a lady, I get my coffee every day from the, out. we have a local bowling club. And there's this amazing little window they have out the side of the bowling club where they do coffees. And so you have to go outside. I, I now go there every day and she and I have a great chat every morning. So I would say that she is becoming a friend um, because, and then, you know, you have little things like she'll say, oh, I followed you on Instagram. <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah. little things like that where you go, oh, that's that's not like we're, we're getting closer to each other simply from those daily conversations about life and about our children and about just, just day-to-day things. It's just about having your radar on, putting yourself out there and following those rituals and habits that support you in your well-being and then the connection will flow from that. Yeah, it's a nice little, it's like baby steps and it's nice getting little fixes like that because I think we tend to take those ones for granted and we don't actually count them as interactions. But they're you're right, when I think about when I go about my day and especially when I leave the house from working from home, if I do go have a conversation at the gym or at the dog park or whatever, like they feel like fulfilling for me that day. I'm like, I've got my little social fixes here and that's, you know, that's enough for me or whatever. How many friends do you think we need as adults, Ali? Mm, it's such a good question. Uh, we Dunbar, Robin Dunbar is this evolutionary psychologist from Oxford and he talked about Dunbar's number and he sort of said that we can all maintain about 150 social connections in total mm. um, in ter- and, and that's defined as someone you would stop and have a chat to in the street if you saw them. And, you know, we recognise about another 1,500 people beyond that. But he said that was our limit, 150 people, that's our limit of connection. He said within that we normally have about five very close connections and that could actually be your partner, your mum, your dad, your brother or your sister, your friends, but they are people who you really rely on to be able to share your, your feelings with. And then he said there's another 15, you know, so another 10, so we get up to 15 people, 10 people with whom you would consider them as close, a so, close social group. Um, I think it, what's really sad is in 1984 when people were, were polled or surveyed, mm-hmm. they said how many people do you feel like you could discuss your 
personal problems with. And they said in 1984, they said three people. In 2004, the same question was asked and people said none. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So this is like someone with whom I feel like I could discuss my most personal problems. Um, So the world is definitely changing where we're moving away from from dedicated human connection uh, towards this reliance on the the phone forms of connection, the text, the emails, et cetera. And I just want to say to people, it's like exercising. So connecting is like exercise. You need to make sure that you're having those nourishing connections at least five times a week with people, just like with exercise. You need to make sure that you're moving around and exercising at least five times a week in order to feel really, really healthy. Um, There's four types of connection you want to focus on. The first type is connection with self. Yes. So that's that's your natural belonging, going for the walks. I journal every morning when I wake up. I see that as kind of just a, a form of my process, releasing everything from the night before and starting each day with a clean slate. Yeah. Um, so that's connection to self. That can also include animals, nature, spirituality, that kind of thing. The next type is connection one-on-one with people, so having meaningful conversations, feeling close to someone, feeling safe. Uh, The next type is social group connection. So that sense of celebration, having parties, feeling accepted in social groups and socializing. And then the final form of connection is that collective belonging, the the out in the world daily encounters you were talking about, the dog park, um, the, the incidental connections in cafes and things like that. So I think for that girl in the in the rural town, Hmm. she's probably getting a lot of connection to self and a lot of connection out in the world when she goes about her day. But what she's really lacking are the one-on-ones and the social group connection. Um, So here's my other reflection on, on adult friendships. Generally, however you're feeling, there are people out there who are feeling the exact same way. Hmm. So if we're all feeling vulnerable and a bit lonely and and a bit directionless when it comes to connecting with others, chances are there's a lot of people out there feeling the same way. So put yourself out there. She could create a walking group, you know, on Sundays, Sunday morning walking. Um, Do you want to join me? And it might be that she does a few of those walks on her own. Mm. And so she's just like, you know, you put it out there. I'm going to be there every weekend. You can come or not. Um, But we're just going to go for a walk and the, here's the journey. Here's the, and, and she needs to be prepared to do that on her own a couple of times and then people will sort of see, oh, oh, that looks interesting, that looks fun, and then they might start joining her. Um, so I think if, if you're going to just be quite timid and, and wait for friends to come to you, you might be waiting a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so think about no matter if you're introverted or extroverted, what do you love doing? Focus on the love, focus on the activity that you love and then connection will flow from that. Yeah, I love that. And when you said about people, you know, we do often just sit back and we'll wait for people to come to us. I feel like that also brings about a lot of time for us to sit within our thoughts and we can oh. you know, be our worst enemy there and being like, no one likes me or, you know, but we, I, th- I think that we forget that we 
all crave connection. Like we all really do the want the same thing, but we just, in a sense, we're all kind of holding ourselves back. <laughs> mm. Oh, absolutely. We're all vulnerable for connection. And the moment you just surrender to that and think to yourself, and you need to, I mean, it's in the same way as if you were talking to someone about romantic love. And they could be saying to you, but what if I get rejected? What if they say no? What if they don't like me? Well, okay, there's, there's almost 8 billion people in the world. Give it a go. And, and you'll find it's worth it because the person that you find in the end will be worth all of those mini rejections. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd love people, if I, could, if I could give anything to people, it would be this uh this resilience when it comes to connection, you know, so to not take things personally. Our connection type is developed before we're 10 years old. And then we go out as an adult looking for matches to that connection type. So if you're not a match with someone, it's not personal to you. They, it's not that they don't like mm. you. It's that they are just not a match for you. We're just different sockets, you know, looking for a plug. So I think it's it's interesting with connection. We forget that it's actually one of our primary psychological needs. So if you think about food, needing food and water, uh, so hunger and thirst are our needs. When you feel thirsty, you don't say to yourself, oh, it's probably because you're unlovable. It's probably because no one likes you. It's probably because you've got nothing to do and no one's calling That's you. That's so true. No, you don't. You just go, <laughs> I'm thirsty. So I'm, and you also don't say to yourself, oh, it's probably you, you had a glass of water half an hour ago. What's wrong with you? We, we, don't, we don't berate ourselves or judge ourselves when we feel thirsty. So, in the same way, if you're feeling like you're craving the, the company of other people, go out and, and find somebody because there are other people who will be feeling like you. Like we went to, we took our kids last night to Vivid in Sydney with my sister and her children. And it was amazing. Like if, you, if you're looking for collective belonging, yeah. then that's a fantastic way. And I'm not here to do an ad for Vivid, but I'm just saying there are so many ways to experience collective belonging. Go to a concert, go to a football match, start, start supporting a local sports team, whether it's a, I mean, I don't know whatever sport you're into, but supporting a sports team can be a great way to find connection with other people mm. who also su- support that team. So really just going out of your way, I, I move, as I said, I moved to a new area last year and I joined a local gym. So there's an exercise class in the area and just going to those classes, you always will have conversations with people before and after the class and it gives you a great sense of connection. It does and belonging. Yeah. Yeah. Because people see you and they're happy to see you and they're smiling and and you sort of feel recognized as a human being. You feel like you're part of something. But absolutely. So I'll, I'll give you a, just a final story. Um, moved to this new area. There's some coastal walks in this area. So I started doing this amazing coastal walk and loving it. And I'd honest, and I did it by myself. And I, most of the time I do it by myself and I listen to my music and it's a really great connection to self experience. Yeah. And then my husband started seeing how much fun I was having doing that and how I'd say, oh, gosh, that walk's amazing and I love doing it. And then he started saying, I'll come. I'll come with you. Like, I'll do that. And then my sister started saying, oh, I don't mind. I'll I'll come. I'll come. And people started just suggesting that they would join me on this walk. And I loved it and it was really nice to, to share that with them. But I thought, it was, it was such a reminder of how connection happens as an adult yeah. because 
you're doing something and you're enjoying it yourself and you're not asking anyone to do it with you, but just because of your love of the thing, of that activity, people can sense that and they want to be a part of that. And it's not so different to how we made friends as kids. Imagine when you're at preschool, you're just kind of doing your thing and painting a picture or coloring in or playing in imaginary play with some, some toys. And another kid will see that and go, oh, she looks like she's having fun. I might go I want over in. And, yeah, I want in. So ask yourself, what are you doing that other people would want to be a part of? And if you don't, if you think to yourself, oh, well, I, not not much. Like I sort of just spend a lot of time at home and wait for people to ask me to things. Then next step, well, what could you maybe start doing that does seem like fun to you? You know, could you book some tickets? So the people who are best as ad- adults at connecting are the ones who will actually say, hey, Bridget, I've booked two tickets or I'm thinking of going to this concert. Do you want to join me? Mm. And just getting in the diary, scheduling things in. And that that is regardless of your life circumstances. So how can you be a little bit more intentional about creating some fun in your life and asking people to join you? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, find something that you enjoy. Ask people to come along. If you know, and as you mentioned before, with the walking group scenario, like it might take time, and there will be might be times that you're doing it by yourself. But if it's something that you enjoy, that's fine. The rest will follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and you could say, "I'm, um, I'm doing a drawing. I'm starting a book club. Or all these sorts of things." And there might be a time where people can't make the book club, and you're just at home reading that night. But that's okay. It's still a source of connection. Mm. And then with you trying to initiate. People will then pick up on that and they'll say, okay, you know what? I can't join this book club, but you know, this other thing that I do, I do an art class that would you like to come along to that? Or I'm doing this crazy workshop this weekend. Would you like to come? So it starts a conversation. Mm, I love all this, man. I already feel so much better about like the way in which I've been, you know, I feel like I've been overthinking like friendship scenarios, but like just understanding, yeah, the things that we do that bring us joy, our connection types of frequency, intensity, so much. All of this just makes me feel better about myself, like having a better understanding. You're you're beautiful. And I would want to be your friend. Oh, (laughs) friends. So what I'm saying is we've just met but we're having a great connection. So you have to just trust that your what you have to offer another person is connection yes. and that's their greatest psychological need. So what you're offering is what everybody needs and wants. And imagine if you had a child or you were with a child and they were saying to you and overthinking and going into spirals and catastrophizing about making friends at school. And you just say, like, what, what advice would you give that child if they were going to preschool the next day? You'd pretty much say the same thing. You'd mm-hmm. just say, look, find what you love to do yes. and get lost in that. And you'll just draw people to you through that act of losing yourself in something that you love. Yeah. Like, don't worry too much about being needy. And also, if you are needy, go for it. Like, I was probably needy to that other person who I was asking if they wanted to <laughs> hang out. We might have been like, oh, again, I've said no. Um, but but you just go, okay, different frequency, different frequency. They might think that I am a lot or that I am asking. And and, and as I said, we're still friends. That person is still friends with me. It wasn't a I don't like you situation. Yeah. We just weren't Matt. Yeah. Yeah. And you just managed so that. So just don't worry. Yeah, don't worry about does this person like me or not like me. Ask yourself, are we a match for our connection types? We have the vulnerability and then we layer it with overthinking and judge self-judgment. And then it kind of just is a hamster. We just stop acting. 
and become really like, oh, you know, like what if, what if, what if? Because we don't expect adult friendships to make us feel the same pain that teenage friendships did. So we expect that because we're adults and we're mature now, we don't expect to feel the same rejection and abandonment that we may have felt as children. So we're so terrified of that. And if we do meet someone who makes us feel like that, we are immediately once bitten, twice shy. Like I will never try again because I feel rejected and abandoned. But but in the same way that you had to bounce back when you're a child, we absolutely need to keep trying to make friends until the day we die. Yeah. And you can't, yeah, you can't expect to be a match with every single person that you encounter in your life. And that's the beauty of life too, because you, you do learn everything you are able to learn from. This has been really like super reassuring, Ali. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. It was lovely talking to you. Yeah, I hope you got something out of that conversation with Ali. I've popped her Instagram link and her book details in the show notes of this episode. She's got heaps of insightful videos on her Instagram and yeah, that book, Click or Clash, really handy resource. I reckon every adult should own it. So all of the information that you need is in the show notes of this episode. I'm Bridget Husway. Thank you for listening to Figuring Out 30. If you're enjoying what I'm putting out, it would mean the world if you could rate the podcast, if you could review it, share it with your friends. This is an entirely independent project created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. All right, next week, it is all about relocating for love. Have you ever moved for your partner or has your partner moved for you? This is a topic I've been thinking about for a while and I'm so excited because I have got Alicia Aitken Radburn joining me. She moved across the country for her now husband who she met on Bachelor in Paradise and whilst she's got the happy ending, there were some pretty big learning curves. So yeah, I'm so excited for you to hear this chat with Alicia. We have been in touch for a couple of years but this was like our first kind of sit down conversation and she like, I need to go get a drink with her. We could talk for hours. I have been so lucky to read her book, which is coming out in just over two months. It's called The Villain Edit. So we will touch on that, but she's just got a lot to share about her experience in relocating for love. So that one will be in your ears next week. Catch you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.